I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. He says that everyone is a, a hero in his birth. He has undergone a tremendous transformation from a little, uh, you might say, water creature living in a realm of the amniotic fluid and so forth and then coming out becoming an air breathing mammal that ultimately will be self-standing and so forth this is an enormous transformation and it is a heroic act and it's a heroic act on the mother's part to bring it about that's the primary hero hero form you might say still a journey to be taken after that there's a big one to be taken Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and today's fabulous episode, I got to have my friend Dr. Terry Walls back on the show for part two. Tune in back into part one a few, four, five episodes ago. Um, Terry, as you guys already know, is a clinical professor of medicine at Iowa University. Um, she is a best-selling author. She is the uh, founder of the Walls Protocol. Um, has a really fascinating story on how she has reversed the effects of multiple sclerosis. Um, regenerating her brain and myelin and uh, just getting into a really, really interesting perspective on how our food or nutrition affects the development of our bodies and our, our minds. So uh, really amazing conversation. Tune in to both episodes. I'd recommend checking them out in two parts. Um, in this conversation, we get into uh, evolution. We get into mitochondria. We talk about stem cells. Talk about all sorts of good stuff. Really, really full conversation. So hope you guys enjoy. Then we leave the primate line about 6 million years ago, and we become Homo sapiens a mere 250,000 years ago. But it all began, really, with the mitochondria. Mm. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find the self-care kit, and uh, you will also be able to get 10% off of any Four Sigmatic products. Four Sigmatic has been uh, really a, amazing support for me and my life, and uh, as well listeners of the show, you can check out. They have a variety of mushroom elixir along with tea and coffee so you get instead of doing just like a traditional boring cup of coffee or tea you get a not so boring cup of coffee or tea along with chaga mushrooms cordyceps uh, lion's mane all sorts of stuff um, I got a packet here you can hear it in the background here just looking this is the reishi uh, tarot pronounces it right re- reishi I, pr- I, I, I thought it was reishi I don't know how someone get back to me on how to pronounce that um, organic reishi extract organic star anise, organic peppermint extract, organic licorice root extract, organic stevia leaf extract. That is uh, an example of one of these fine, fine packets that I utilize quite a bit. Uh, Tim Ferriss has been getting down on this stuff. Uh, Sean Stevenson, uh, you can hear hear him on this, this program as well. All the cool kids are getting down on Four Sigmatic. I'd highly recommend it. You can um, check out 
uh, 10% discount at foursigmatic.com slash align. That's F-O-U-R sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash align uh, for 10% off on all of your mushroom elixir purchases. Highly recommend it. Um, I have a quote. What is the quote here? I got it set up. It is, um, I'm gonna, here it is. All right, pulling it up. Quote I got for today is one that I actually put this on my journal, my first like big traveling, did a big like seven month motorcycle trip throughout Mexico and Central America and just did like the, you know, I don't know the, what, what my dream at the time was, was living out of a hammock in my motorcycle and surfing and crap. It was quite nice. And my main quote on the, the front of my journal there was by Mr. T.S. Eliot and it says, we shall not cease from exploration and Ooh, let me start that over. <laughs> we shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. I think that is quite interesting how we kind of have these like spirals of awareness of ourselves. Sometimes you have uh, you go out for a traveling trip, or you take a workshop, or a course, or whatever it may be. You come back and you're still yourself, but you kind of perceive yourself for your world or what have you in a little bit of a different light. It's pretty fascinating how we consistently have these filters on the way that we perceive the world and starting the journey of accessing into how do we start to maybe choose the tint or maybe find the most idyllic or most true tint of the filter that we take the world in from. Hope that's not too esoteric and weird to talk about. Um, I think that might be sufficient for one one intro. Thanks so much for leaving reviews on iTunes. If you appreciate this production, we appreciate uh, reviews. It means a lot. It helps the algorithm gods, and uh, that's awesome. I read them. I love them. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you for clicking on the Amazon affiliate bookmark uh, link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Anytime you purchase some crap on the Amazon machine, uh, por favor, utilize that link because Align Podcast Foundation gets kicked down seven or, seven or so percent of that purchase. It costs you absolutely nothing, a phenomenal way to support this podcast. Um, I think we're good. Uh, Miss Walls, or Dr. Walls, sorry, has a new book coming out. So we'll include all the links on that. And we talked about it a little bit in here. So check that out. All right, here we go. Back to the shizzy with the good doctor, Terry Walls. Align Podcast. And so something that I have been learning about is the, uh, the, the ancient bacteria of mitochondria and like the history of went from yeah. prokaryotic organisms to eukaryotic organisms. And can we get a little bit into like what that's all about? Oh, I, I love, I love that story. <laughs> it's so, a cool story. <laughs> so I'm going to step back uh, even a little bit further. Uh, if we think of the timeline of our planet, about 4 billion years ago, we had water. Uh, and um, shortly after that, uh, we began to have very simple life. Uh, about three billion years ago, we began to have photosynthesis, which led to oxygen. So there was a huge die-off of 90, 95% of all life forms, which were bacterial at that time, uh, because oxygen uh, was poisonous. 
And then there was uh, some bacteria that developed a new mutation that could handle this oxygen more effectively. Uh, and these ancient bacteria were engulfed by larger bacteria, and uh, they were more efficient then because they could handle energy much more efficiently. Uh, and these ancient bacteria uh, were the forerunners of our mitochondria. And this was a really important innovation because it allowed for the uh, development of a multicellular organism. It allowed for the development of mobility um, and for the ability to specialize uh, the cells and develop uh, into tissues and organs. Uh, and this would eventually become animals. And of course, um, uh, about 500 million years ago, we had land, uh, plants, and animals for the first time. Uh, and about 200 million years ago, the emergence of, of mammals and you know, that leads to primates, and we leave the primate line about six million years ago, and we become Homo sapiens a mere 250,000 years ago. But it all began really with the mitochondria, mm. which uh, allowed us to, be, to develop uh, organs uh, and mobility. I wonder, from your perspective, how this information around the the history and the importance of the mitochondria, and I don't like to become too reductionist with things, but I, I, I like the story of the mitochondria, so it's interesting to, to read into it, but how that informs our decisions around how we treat our cells, our bodies, our mitochondria. Is there anything that that's, can get into that specifically? Well, you know, um, our, all of our cells are very much dependent on the mitochondria to generate energy uh, for how that cell will convert the food we eat into the biochemical energy we use to run the chemistry of life. Yeah. So all of our cells need mitochondria. Now, there's another thing that, I'll, that I want us to think about, uh, Aaron, is that we have more and more appreciation for how dependent we are on our uh, gut microbes uh, to help us run the chemistry of life. Right. So as an organism, as a, as a total being, I'm as dependent on my microbes in my gut as my individual cells are on the mitochondria in my individual cells. Huh. Yeah. And is there, so, so I guess looking at it from like um, cultivating our gut flora is something to think about to yes. start accessing the, yeah. the, the potency of our mitochondria. Is there other things to be thinking about with that? Well, you know, um, uh, many of us take a lot of antibiotics uh, and we, we take them uh, sometimes because we have an acute bacterial infection and we need them. And, and having MS, I do practically get bladder infections, so yes, I do take antibiotics. Mm. Um, but uh, And we often take antibiotics uh, for reasons that are not very good for viral infections. And sometimes we take them for a uh, long-term infection like uh, Lyme's disease. But what nearly all of the prescribing physicians have forgotten, and certainly most of the public has forgotten, that uh, our mitochondria are ancient bacteria. Hmm. And so these antibiotics that we take can damage our mitochondria, particularly for some people. And when we damage our mitochondria, that can lead to some long-term health consequences. Yeah. So the long-term damage from taking antibiotics is partly due to damage to our microbiome, but it can also be uh, due to damage to our mitochondria. Huh. And so what are, are there some steps people can follow as far as starting to repair damage that could have been done after antibiotics, for example, or is it like 
the damage yes, has been yes. done. Let's, let's... Yeah, where do we go oh, with no, that? No. Um, so, uh, mitochondria, when you think of the mitochondrial damage, uh, can come in uh, two ways. Uh, one is poisoning uh, and heavy metals, lead, mercury, arsenic, uh, uh, pesticides, herbicides, uh, probably being the most common uh, pollutants that damage your mitochondria. Uh, and then the other damage is not providing the cofactors that your mitochondria need uh, to function really well. Yeah. Uh, There's that, now we're that damn dog again. <laughs> I remember this from last October. <laughs> Or November, yeah. whatever that was. I'm sure the dog's very long. Yeah, he's... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you want to try and uh, get rid of the uh, toxins as well as you can. Clean up the diet as well as you can, uh, and then improve the nutrition. We're going to uh, increase mineral content uh, with the use of more uh, sea salt. Uh, I like to add some seaweed, um, and then plenty of B vitamins. And for that, I would like to have people eat liver a couple times a week. Yeah. So something that I've, I, I'm quite fascinated with is how, so I'm you know into movement and self-care and all those things, helping people yeah. move in their bodies better. And something that I think that we're not aware of is where our, our, our joint stiffness comes from, you know, and it's like, okay, add more lacrosse ball to your thoracic spine, you know, and that's going to open it up. But sometimes we're inflamed at a deeper level and you change your diet up a little bit for a day, a week, a month. And all of a sudden you have this new range of motion that you never had before. And you didn't even do any foam rolling, you know, is there, that's yeah. do you have any thoughts no, I, on I, that? Um, in relation to nutrition, in relation to... Yes, yeah. ab absolutely. Yeah. So when we have a lot of inflammation, uh, that will uh, um, add stiffness into all of our connective tissues. It's going to add stiffness uh, into the ligaments uh, and the joints and the fascia in particular. Yeah. And if you have stiff fascia, that's going to uh, limit things a great deal. Uh, so what do you do to get rid of that uh, fascial uh, inflammation? For a lot of folks, uh, you're going to have to go gluten-free, dairy-free, because those are the most inflammatory foods. Uh, and then eat these radical things known as vegetables uh, to help you uh, process, eliminate uh, toxins more effectively. Yeah. Uh, those those uh, three changes can have a huge impact. Yeah, I wonder with your process, because you went from being able to practically not move. What was your, can you just break down a little bit what your degree of movement oh, was? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, at the summer of 2007, uh, I needed a tilt recline wheelchair uh, at work. I had a zero gravity chair, so I was leaning all the way back, uh, knees higher than my nose, and I had one at work, one in my office. I could walk short distances, like 10 feet, using two walking sticks slowly. Um, I could still get around in my home, uh, but I was beginning to realize I was probably going to have to get a scooter or something in my home because. Uh, the afternoon, it was getting really difficult to get, you know, from the kitchen uh, back to the bedroom. Yeah. Um, I ha had severe brain fog. Uh, I uh, was having severe uh, fatigue by 10. Uh, and I also was having a lot of pain. I had uh, MS-related pain, uh, so like trigeminal neuralgia uh, that would come and go. Yeah. Um, and that's where I was in uh, July of 2007. That really, really is where I was at uh, in October when I 
began, you know, this intensive program. Yeah, there was a. I was learning recently about. Uh, it's called utiny or uh, your your rhythm your rhythm not your rhythm yeah your rhythm your rhythmy. Have you ever heard of those those before? They're like old movement practices around. Um, no. no. Yeah. No. So there's a woman called uh, Gerd Alexander and then Rudolf Steiner you might find you know interesting to look into. And Gerd, she had I don't remember what it was something quite disabling with her health and she created this utiny which um, essentially was kind of like Feldenkrais or Alexander Technique type thing but so slow subtle movements because she wasn't able to do you know CrossFit or whatever so her movement practice became more working from like in her bed you know and on the floor and kind of discovering these other aspects of her movement from her disablement I wonder did you get any kind of like different perspective on how to integrate into yourself that some people might not so you know when I when I was starting my at the uh, the summer of 2007 you know I discovered electrical stem and I was still working in physical therapy I I had a mat exercise that was 10 minutes um, uh, doing some simple curls uh, some uh, very simple stretches Um, I I would get on my hands and knees and attempt to lift up my hand I could only get it a few inches up off the floor Uh, and so that's uh, how weak I was. Um, and, but gradually, over the next six months, well, actually, I mean, it wasn't really very gradual, but I, that's where I started from, and I kept at it. Uh, as I was revamping my diet and adding the E-STEM, yeah. I was able to uh, increase my mat exercises. Uh, and by spring, I was able to do uh, a, a half-hour, uh, much more vigorous uh, workout in the morning and in the evening. Yeah. But yeah, it started out if I did more if I did more than eight minutes, I couldn't go to work, I couldn't function, uh, and I was bedridden for 24 hours. Yeah, and so that, that's where I was at in the beginning. Yeah, so obviously the you know nervous system dysfunction was um, you know a big component of that, and then thinking of like myelination and these membranes that are comprised of adipose tissue and such is was there? Can you kind of break down a little bit of, of like how? you repaired you've been repairing your nervous system is sure yeah so um i'm gonna step back uh, a little bit uh, there's a lot of uh, a public enthusiasm for stem cells stem cell transplants stem cell therapies uh, in fact people reach out to me like you know did you have stem cells and and surely that must have been how i recovered um but you and i of course you have more stem cells than i do i'm a, I'm a bit more senior but the, the biggest impediment to recovery is that we're poisoning the stem cells we have. Mm. We, uh, and we don't have an, a nurturing environment for the ones we do have. So uh, to get rid of the poison, uh, you clean up your diet, you go as uh, clean as you can, uh, help uh, uh, support your detox pathway so you can get rid of the heavy metals, plastics, uh, and stuff that you have stored in the fat in your brain and your body. Yes. Uh, that's very helpful. Yeah. Uh, you reduce the inflammation, so again, uh, vegetables, uh, very helpful. And um, then you uh, create the more favorable hormonal environment. So you have to reduce the cortisol. Cortisol is incredibly damaging to our stem cells. So uh, a stress-reducing practice, a meditation, a gratitude journal, uh, very, very helpful. And then you have to exercise. Now the thing about exercise is you need to exercise within the zone of what is challenging for you 
So remember, if I worked out more than eight minutes, I couldn't function for the next day because that's how utterly disabled I was. So an eight-minute workout every day, for me, was the equivalent of CrossFit for a healthy person. Right. And we have to keep that in mind. If you drive uh, someone past what they can tolerate and you overtrain, uh, that's damaging to your stem cells and to them as well. So we always want to uh, train every day uh, within the zone of what you can tolerate. Yeah. But you, you want to push just a little bit, but not so much that you've overtrained. So um, as I understood all of this better, and I did, uh, again, uh, a better job of getting rid of the toxins, maximizing my nutrition, I went back to resuming uh, daily meditation. Um, and then I'm exercising. I borrowed a, a technique that athletes had done for a long time and had sort of forgotten about, and that was doing electrical stimulation of muscles during the training which let me add just a little bit more exercise to my muscles that I could tolerate, which let me increase the rigor of my exercise and made my exercise uh, more effective. Uh, and so that allowed me to steadily increase uh, my training time. And so the, um, it's, I think, so you're really interested, you're, you're into like logo therapy, right? Are you, are you familiar, you're Victor Frankl and Man's Search for Meaning and all that oh. stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think it's just an, such a such a really fascinating connection of like, you know, our joie de vivre. You know, when we wake up in the day, like, are we engaged and excited to 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 go on? You know, like at any point we could just yeah, we yeah. could we could pull the plug. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, right. You know the the effect that that has on us from like, you know, an, a cortisol level or an inflammatory level or you know a joint stiffness level. Did you notice a connection between? your perspective on the world and your actual physical health as you're going through the process? You know, um, I'd say my perspective on, uh, on the world allowed me to survive as well as I had as I was getting uh, steadily more and more and more disabled. Um, uh, a book that gave me great comfort in all this was uh, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, and his premise was that between every event in your life uh, and your response to it is a space, and in that space, the choice you make defines your character. Uh, and so at that point, my kids were young, you know, ages uh, eight and five when I was diagnosed, and uh, as uh, by the time my son was 11, I'm in the wheelchair, and life's pretty tough. Uh, and so now I'm thinking like, okay, am I going to uh, give up, or am I going to go to work and be a model for um, you go on even when life is difficult? Uh, and so my sort of mantra as I was trying to swim, and then when I couldn't swim anymore and I was doing a little mad exercise was, you know, your kids are watching. They're seeing you respond to this. And so um, that really gave me a lot of meaning uh, and purpose. Uh, and then... Um, I had an opportunity to uh, uh, craft a lecture for the medical students uh, where I talked about uh, being diagnosed with MS, going through that workup, and what it was like reimagining my life as I was getting more and more disabled. Uh, and uh, at that point, no hope of recovery, uh, but it was very meaningful to give that lecture every year uh, because uh, I was giving back to someone other than my family uh, the gift of what I... Uh, uh, unpleasant as it was, what I was learning uh, from having MS. Uh, and that uh, having meaning 
was critical to maintaining uh, a useful relationship with life uh, and my family. Did you, um, I wonder how, you know, so you had people to lead and you had, you know, inspiration to, to pull from with that. I wonder if, if you didn't have your kids and you didn't have, I wondered, have you ever thought about like, just like during that time frame, for example, did you ever think about like life's over, <laughs> you know, like let's just pull the plug or was that not, that never crossed your mind during that time well, frame? You know, uh, there's another part of my illness uh, that I don't probably talk as much. It's not as visible, you know, because you see me in the wheelchair. Yeah. I have uh, occipital neuralgia, so electrical uh, jolt of pain that uh, would come on uh, and had little flares where the pain comes on randomly, a little more frequently, and it builds over a few days. I suffer for a week or two, and then it fades away. And that was getting more and more difficult to treat. Um, uh, we tried a variety of meds. And I was off to pain clinic when these would come on, and then I was uh, having to take Solumedrol when it came on. And then in 2006, uh, I had to take five days of Solumedrol, so we're doubling the length of time I was taking it. And I, you know, I'd sort of come to terms with I'm facing becoming bedridden by my illness. I'm facing potentially becoming demented by my illness. My pain is getting more and more difficult to control. Once it's on, every sensory input, light touch, uh, sound, swallowing, talking, triggers the pain. So I, I, I can't eat or drink while uh, this is going on. And I begin to wonder, like, God, is my pain going to be permanently on? Could I get to the point where they can't turn it off? Uh, and if that happens, then what happens? Uh, and so that was my fear. I, I was I had come to terms with bedridden. I'd come to per terms with uh, demented. I had not come to terms with every sensory input being transmuted into horrific electrical pain. That was my fear. Yeah. Fortunately, you know, fortunately, um, I never had to face that. Huh. And was there anything? Was there any particular? Um, practices or anything so like gratitude journals and stuff because it seems like in, in situations like that a gratitude journal would be annoying <laughs> and helpful but also like you know this is for somebody else <laughs> the gratitude journal well uh, I didn't know about gratitude journals then okay. um, but you know I, I did know that my kids were watching uh, I was very fortunate to have uh, uh, you know a loving spouse uh, and that I couldn't, these thoughts that I was having about what if my pain turns permanently on was not a conversation I could have uh, with anyone uh, because that would go to a dark place. Yeah. That, and I was like, yeah. I'm just like, uh. uh but that, that was my fear. That was absolutely uh, my fear. And, and uh, fortunately, I did not have to, in the end, face that. Yeah. What was there? Was there a, 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 a was the turning point? Diet was that the main turn in the well, road, or you know? Um, so, sort of the timeline uh, overall looks like this: diagnosed in two thousand, um, I uh, see the best people take the newest drugs. Two thousand two, uh, McLean Clinic Neurology tells me about the paleo diet. I uh, give up all grain, all legumes, all dairy. Uh, after twenty years of being a vegetarian, I might add, and I go back to eating meat. Uh, continue to decline. Uh, next year, I'm taking chemotherapy. Next year, I'm taking Tizabri. Uh, then I'm on Salcept. 
and then I start experimenting with various uh, supplements. I figure out that they are helpful, that uh, without them I'm even more fatigued. In 2007, I discover electrical stimulation. I discover a functional medicine. Uh, I add in uh, uh, their course on neuroprotection, so I have a longer list of supplements. Um, maybe a little bit better. But then I had this big aha moment. I should redesign my paleo diet to get this long list of nutrients I'm taking in pill form from the food I eat. So I restructure my paleo diet into what I now call the Walls diet. And a month later, my energy is improving, my mental clarity is improving, uh, my pain is diminishing. Three months later, I'm beginning to walk again. Six months later, I'm walking without a cane. Nine months, I'm on the bike for the first time. Uh, and I, you know, I bike around the block. I'm I'm crying. My kids are crying. My wife's crying. And, and we're not like, and that's the first time where I'm beginning to feel like, well, no one really knows what might happen. Who knows how, how much stronger I, I might become? Uh, and then uh, at at 12 months, I do a 20 mile bike ride. Uh, so, so the paleo diet did fix me. The um, supplements didn't fix me. E-STEM did fix me. Functional medicine uh, uh, was certainly very helpful. wasn't quite enough to fix me. But when I integrated all of it and redesigned things in a very, very intentional way to address everything that I possibly could, that's when the magic began. Right, yeah. I was reading recently about... Um you know, absorption of vitamin D. And, you know, so yes. we, we think of some of these, uh, again, it's like, you know, get vitamin D supplement and such. And we think of it as just like, you get the supplement, you're good to go. Or you eat some cacao, you're good to go. But sometimes I think we don't really think about, you know, like you'd mentioned, like the gut flora, you know, or the fat solubility yeah. of it, and, you know, kind of pairing these things. Is there some components like, just for vitamin D, for example, is like, is just getting sun enough? Or is there more more to it well, than that. So let's talk about vitamin D. So uh, I'm out in the sun. The sun, uh, light, ultraviolet rays uh, activate the cholesterol in my skin. But it still has to go through to my kidneys and to my liver for the next activation steps. Yeah. Uh, for it to be fully uh, active uh, and doing all the things it's going to do with affecting my immune cell function, uh, affecting my brain, uh, and affecting the thousand genes that vitamin D impacts. So if my liver and kidneys isn't healthy, it might still be a problem. Uh, and depending on you know my uh, genetics, my uh, the efficiency of the sunlight may be um, more effective or less effective at initiating uh, all those steps. Oh, I lost you. Oh shoot! Sorry about that. There you go. Can, can you, there we go. Yeah, sorry I, about that. I can hear you now. Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been flexing my mute feature on my on my microphone. And I accidentally pressed the button incorrectly. Um, do you recommend people using using supplements for vitamin D? I guess it depends on what hemisphere of the world you're at, and maybe what ethnicity you are. Or is that? Yeah, you know, if you if you can uh, get enough sunlight for the latitude of where your ancestors are from. You may not need vitamin D. So I'm a Northern European uh, stock. So if I go outside, got plenty of vitamin D by uh, being out 24-7 with a nice dark tan during the summer. If I was a lifeguard, uh, I'd have a great D level during the summer. It would fall during the winter. Uh, my 
uh, susceptibility towards influenza would increase during the winter. And then when the sunlight comes back, I'd be okay. My uh, Hispanic friends, my uh, uh, African-American friends uh, can't possibly ever make enough vitamin D living in Iowa. So they, they for sure are always going to need supplements. So it, it depends uh, in part uh, how much sunlight you can get. Can you make uh, get a nice deep tan so you have a good blood level? Uh, and if you're leave, uh, living far north to where your ancestors would have led, you're going to need vitamin D supplements. I've uh, I was reading as well that people uh, people from like African descent or darker you know darker complected skin in general, if they live in places like you know say England for example where they're not getting so much sun. There's significantly higher chances of of uh, having depression or experiencing depression amongst yeah absolutely some other issues uh, absolutely well. yeah so kind of yeah. something interesting. It's like there's not one size fits all. It's like look in the mirror you know figure out where you're from. You kind of start to dial it in from that perspective yeah yeah do you think of that from from other nutritional components as well other than just vitamin d you know uh, absolutely let's think about ketosis yeah so you can think of uh if your ancestors lived in an arctic climate you probably have the genetics that may be used to uh your your you being in ketosis for many months out of the year but if your ancestors lived in an equatorial region where you may well have had uh, access to uh, vegetation and fruit year-round, then the advantage of being in ketosis may not be quite as great. Uh, so I would sort of think about what were the food stocks that your ancestors were likely have been consuming, and there may have been some genetic advantage uh, to a similar makeup for you. But where none of us were our ancestors really thrived on sugar and white flour, though. Have you done any kind of genetic testing yourself, or do you recommend that yeah. to people? Yeah. Can we, um, are there any good resources for that for people? Like, where, where do they go? Well, you know, 23andMe is a, uh, it's a, uh, a robust way to get your entire DNA sequence. They can't give you any advice, so then you can take your DNA sequence and you can run it through a variety of other companies to get, and some of which are free and some of which are not. That can give you a little information about what that means. Uh, the, which may be useful. Um, the, the downside is I don't want people to get so hung up on, uh, I need to have my DNA tested so I know what actions to take. I mean, the reality is, for the vast majority of us, our DNA is fine. If our DNA wasn't fine, we would our ancestors would not have had reproductive, reproductive success. The real problem is that for my DNA, I'm not providing a very uh, nourishing or nurturing uh, environment. I am not providing a good diet, lifestyle environment. That's the, the big problem for the vast majority of issues. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, there was something that as well, which is like kind of like a, it's not new, but it's definitely sexier now than it was, I think, a few years ago, is, is um, glutathione. All of a sudden, I'm hearing that pop up all over the place. Is that something that you yeah. are thinking about with oh, yeah. Wall's protocol? Yes. Yeah, so, so I, I talked a lot about uh, glutathione and that the diet is designed specifically to help you have a much higher level of intracellular glutathione. Yeah. Uh, all those sulfur vegetables will do that. The uh, cabbage family, onion family, uh, in particular, great for boosting uh, glutathione uh, in your cells, gamma-metabutyric acid in your brain. Uh, and then 
if you need more, you can take uh, N-acetylcysteine, which is also a great precursor as well. Yeah. But step number one, three cups of sulfur-rich vegetables, cabbage family, onion family, will go a long way yeah. uh, to supporting that. Yeah, and what's the, what's the value in something like glutathione? So it's it's an antioxidant, it's amino acids, like well, we got to break down a little bit, like what, why it matters? So uh, glutathione is the uh, most uh, effective intracellular antioxidant. Uh, so uh, most of our cells, I think uh, basically all of them, are going to have our mitochondria generating a lot of adenosine tricyclic uh, phosphate ATP. There'll be a little bit of uh, uh, free radical da uh, damage that gets generated at the same time. You might think of a little bit of chemical trash that uh, will be get generated as we make all that ATP. You need to quench that quickly. Uh, so superoxide disputase uh, will do that, uh, and uh, so will glutathione. Uh, and you want to be able to recharge your superoxide disputase and your glutathione continuously as they protect you from the um, free radical damage that you generate as you make energy. Having a great supply of that um, intra, uh, of the uh, sulfur, organic sulfurs that you'll get from the cabbage family and the onion family vegetables will make it far easier for you to keep your uh, glutathione um, reduced and recharged is that uh, so from from your perspective is if so someone that's eaten like you know the this the sad diet the standard american diet uh where would one what's like some of the the lowest hanging fruit for somebody to break down like what are like three steps like just start here and you'll start feeling enough change to create some momentum that maybe you want to create more yeah, change yeah well uh, step number one, swap out your grain-based uh, food for vegetables. Right. Yeah. So uh, if, uh, instead of having uh, uh, oatmeal for breakfast, uh, have sautéed vegetables uh, and some uh, bacon. Or if you tolerate eggs, you can have sautéed vegetables uh, uh, and eggs. Uh, uh, instead of having a tortilla, uh, use a curly kale leaf uh, to have your taco with. So, uh, the more uh, grain servings you can replace with non-starchy vegetable servings, uh, that will go very well. Yeah. Getting rid of, of sugar and sweetened beverages uh, would be the next uh, thing that I'd want people to do as well. Uh, uh, for some people, because the protein in dairy can be as irritating as a protein in uh, grain, uh, there may be a reason to get rid of uh, dairy as well, unless you're using clarified butter. Does that include non-pasteurized dairy with the lactase and all the the enzymes in it? Uh, yeah, because the um, when people talk, well, I, I don't have lactose intolerance. That's all about the sugar. Hmm. It's the protein that can cause the uh, aggressive immune response. Huh. Uh, you know, and the, other, and the other hesitation I have about dairy is uh, if you look at the epidemiology. Um, it's associated with a higher risk of uh, tumors uh, and cancers uh, and casein. So, in physiologically, we're supposed to have uh, milk until we're weaned, and then, you know, we, we didn't really get milk until after, you know, after weaning. It's a relatively new food uh, for humans. That would be within the last 8,000 years. Yeah. Uh, some people do okay with it. Um, I think. 
my advice is if you can go without it for a month and see if it makes a difference yeah i just got back from from costa rica i was out there for a few weeks and uh surfing every day and just in like the sun sounds fun i it was all right this but the sun is like seriously intense <laughs> and yeah i wasn't using sunblock i use sunblock every every now and again i was just trying to, if i was surfing i'd try to be out like before 9 a.m you know and in around sunset time um, but something that I noticed with that is when I was eating more fruit, I just, I didn't feel so satiated, I guess. Was it kind of this continued feeling of like, oh, I kind of want something more. And then with, for the sunblock, something that I found interesting and could be my illusion, but I, I think it's not. Um, when I would eat heaps of coconut and coconut meat, and then I was actually getting grass fed butter and I was just like eating butter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I felt that permeating into my skin and it felt you know, it's yeah. felt protective from the sun is that my am, am i crazy or is there something to that you know i'm not sure okay. um uh, but you can certainly <laughs> understand uh physiology of it yeah uh it, the skin uh certainly uh, has a uh, very dependent on fat yeah uh and so that fat soluble uh vitamins uh vitamin a uh d and k are uh, critical for uh, skin health right. and your white soluble, pardon me, your grass fed butter would be rich in A, D, and K. Right, yeah. Yeah, the other thing that I think is interesting going to places like Costa Rica where it's, you know, everybody's eating beans, everybody's eating rice, and it's just like it, culturally, pretty much if you go anywhere other than some of like the health bubbles of the United States in the world, people are eating an immense amount of grains. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, so, yeah. so it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition or argument where it's like the grains are bad unless you're anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, what, yeah. What what is that? <laughs> well, you know, uh, and traditionally there, uh, the grains and and beans would have been sprouted, right? Uh, because or fermented, uh, right? the grains, uh, when uh, they as part of their traditional. Uh, processing of the grains, they would have been sprouted during that process. Uh, I don't know, I'm not as familiar with uh, uh, beans, if they soak their beans uh, first, but if you soak your beans two hours, wash them, uh, you begin the germination process, and that very inflammatory component uh, of the beans is reduced, mm. is greatly reduced. And the same thing for grain, if you soak your grain for at least two hours and wash them, you greatly reduce the inflammatory component. Mm. And the inflammatory component being is that the, the phytic acid and the lectin and the stuff that kind of... The lectins. The lectins. The lectins. Yeah. The, the phytic acid uh, binds up the minerals, and you're going to reduce the phytic acid as well. Uh, so if, you're, if you don't get rid of the phytic acid, it makes you mineral depleted, which increases your vulnerability towards uh, the poison of your mitochondria from the heavy metals, oh. um, but it doesn't necessarily cause a lot of inflammation. Yeah. The lectins, which are the plants, uh, insecticide, d d targeting insects, and depending on your genetic vulnerability, it may also get you and I as well. Right. Uh, it's the lectins that rub up the inflammation. Mm. Uh, and soaking for at least two hours will reduce uh, both the lectin burden and the phytate burden. Yeah. So my understanding of, of these, you know, the lectins and the phytic acid and such is it's kind of like the plant's version of claws or defense mechanism so that yeah, you yeah, eat it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in, in sprouting it and soaking it and fermenting it, we're kind of like uh, dissolving the claws in a way sometimes? Or how does that work exactly? Well, what, what we're doing is... Um, 
we're tricking the plant into thinking they're growing. They found a um, right. the right niche. They're having to unlock the nutrition now so they can utilize it to grow. Oh, yeah, right. So now that they're unlocking the nutrition for their own benefit, then it's safe for us to eat now as well. Yeah. So the so the the nutrition of the plants, it's kind of like like a grain. It's kind of like a like a treasure chest in a way. And if you eat it when it's, all, when it's all locked up, it's just defense mode. But if you can open up the chest, then all of a sudden you can get some some value out of her. Is that too far? Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. No, I, I think that's I think, I think that's a reasonable I think that's a reasonable metaphor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, but but nonetheless, though, you would still recommend even from like sprouted, fermented. What about sourdough? Can we talk about a little bit about that of like fermenting grains. Well, you, you know, uh, that was how grain was traditionally consumed for a long time. Right. Uh, you know, I had just had a. Uh, opportunity to have a long conversation with Natasha Campbell, uh, who uh, has created a protocol very effective uh, for the autism community. And she will allow, after five years of doing really well in her protocol, people can try out uh, fermented uh, pancakes, sourdough pancakes, uh, once a week. If that goes okay, you can have them twice a week after five years. If that goes okay, (laughs) uh, you you can try that. And some people ask me, like, would I try that? And I said, no, no, no. I, 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 even now, nine years into this, if I still have uh, an accidental exposure, uh, my face pain will turn on. Yeah. And I still get neurologic deficits. So I don't see uh, sourdough pancakes or bread in my future. So it probably depends on the individual, uh, what disease process. Um, and people will have to decide, do they want to try a small exposure to a fermented grain product to decide if they want to see if it's going to be okay? Yeah. Yeah, I think about... Uh, not worth it to me, but, you know, if somebody has, you know, a little eczema and, they don't, and, and they're okay with, with seeing if they get a flare of their eczema, that's, uh, they could take that risk. Yeah, I'm like I'm very simple, and so I I kind of follow if it's like if it feels good, it's probably okay. <laughs> and so with like no. grains, they're like they're vehicles. They're good if you add a bunch of stuff to them, but if you take that grain that you know whatever fill in the blank thing and you just eat it it usually kind of tastes like shit you know but then so it's with most foods that like you would recommend on the walls protocol it's like you can just take that food and it tastes it's quite it's quite delicious i think there's some type of biological you know evolutionary yeah i think there's something to that it's like it relates to my taste buds there's probably something to that is that you know, it, 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 and we can think about how much preparation do you have to do to that food in order to be able to eat it and digest it. If you just ate yeah, right. rice, plain rice or plain corn, dried, you and I would not be able to digest it. We'd have to we have to do a lot of processing. Yeah. Uh, if I ate meat raw, I might get, you know, I, I should be able to digest that. If I ate my apples or spinach or cabbage raw, I can handle that. Yeah. I'll probably. Uh, and so that's another way to very simply think about is this food likely to be good for me or not yeah and then there's but then there's the other I guess the other kind of like devil's advocate of they say that the cooking of food began like the evolution of the brain or like the the, the brain getting larger but I guess that was for cooking meat and so we're getting more fat is that well um, we began to cook food uh, about a hundred thousand years ago 
um, the Homo sapiens, we deviated from the primate line six million years ago. Uh, it did mean that we're able to shorten our, our GI tract when we started able to cook food, and we didn't have to spend as much time uh, hunting for food. Yeah. So uh, certainly there, there are some more benefits. could also make the case that at that same time, we're uh, getting more shellfish uh, and the amount of meat and fish that we consumed increased. Hmm. So when we increased our calories from non-vegetation, our uh, brain grew, and we also discovered fire, and the exact timing of all of that, I think, is not not entirely clear. Yeah, cool. Um, so we're we're getting close to run out of time. I want to talk about the uh, the upcoming book. Is it so? Can we break down a little bit? Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> can we can we break all down right. a little bit about about what what that's all about? <laughs> So uh, in the book, uh, we'll have a little summary of uh, what the diet's about. Uh, and then I launch people into how to begin cooking at home. It, it's right. it's so important if you want to take back your health to quit uh, relying on other people's food, to begin preparing your own food. It'll make it easier to afford this. Uh, and people have, we've either never learned how to cook or forgotten how, how to cook. So what people learn, it's fun, it's easy, this can be a great family activity. You can have a delicious meal in under 30 minutes. You can have uh, wonderful treats uh, and fun meals for yourself, for your kids and your grandkids. Yeah, cool. Plus it's beautiful. Yeah. They did a great job in the photography. Yeah, and I feel like people are, are so driven by their, their wallet or their pocketbook, you know, and so it's like we, yeah. we, I think we think like, well, I can't eat healthy because to get the organic boxed food, it's really expensive. It's like, well, don't buy the organic boxed food, you know, just go to the yeah. green vegetable section, just grab anything. You know? And, and um, <laughs> when I was at the VA, which I uh, am not anymore, but I was there for a long time, we taught people in the traumatic brain injury clinic and in the lifestyle clinic how to use these concepts. Uh, and I said, you know, if you just get the highest quality food you can afford. If, you, if you're just getting uh, conventional food, that's fine. If all you can afford canned, that's fine. But drink the juice, uh, get frozen, get things in season, uh, hunt fish, garden. And, and what my patients taught me was, one, you, you can do this and recover using conventionally grown food. You don't have to spend more money. And many of my patients uh, came back and told their peers, I'm saving money following uh, this diet, yeah. uh, but I, I am learning how to cook at home again. Yeah. Is there anything that you could pull out of the book as far as like just some recipes or something that, that stands out to you for people that they could kind of tinker with presently? Well, you know, this is my, my daughter's favorite recipe, and I think you'll probably enjoy this. Take out a couple pieces of bacon, chop them up, fry them in the skillet to the desired level of doneness. Scoop the bacon out, toss in chopped greens, stir till wilted, add the chopped bacon, and serve. Mm. And that is my daughter's favorite vegetable recipe is bacon and greens. Uh, and she has a wonderful saying, bacon will fix any vegetable. <laughs> and, it's true. <laughs> and my, my vets love that saying, too. And, and the reason that works is that the saturated fat cuts the bitterness of vegetables. Yeah. And for many people, that's what we're objecting to. Uh, we're not comfortable with that bitter flavor. The fat covers it nicely. If it still seems just a little bit bitter, add a little touch, splash of lemon juice or lime juice or uh, flavored vinegar, 
Yeah, and that will mellow, mellow out the bitterness nicely. Mm, yeah, bacon's another interesting one with the, you know, if you follow the, your senses, you know, it's like there's like not yeah. a single vegan in the world that doesn't really like the smell of bacon. And it's like, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm so torn. It's telling you something, doesn't it? I, it's very interesting, you know, I don't have a strong opinion either way. I yeah. think vegetarian, vegan, carnivore, whatever, you're, you know, whatever feels good, but that's a very correct. interesting thing to me. You know, there's not a vegetarian that doesn't like the smell of of bacon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, you know I, um, I think there's something to that, that uh, we do respond, we do respond. Yeah, yeah, cool. And um, so the book's out presently, yeah? It's uh, it's up for sale? Well, the, the book the book is uh, will be released on April 4th. Uh, my first book has been out obviously a long time, but April 4th for this one. It'll be very exciting. Sweet. Um, we have... Yeah, we'll make sure to get oh, this get this get this up before before that. Um, do you actually know of anything, or know of somebody that does know of something around like the olfactory system and like what we're talking about in relation to the smells cueing us to be hungry for specific foods, and then versus like feces or something like that. Like that smells bad. Oh, and if you eat that, you'll probably get sick. Is there anything that you're familiar that's, with that? That's in an interesting to- thought. Uh, well, you know, the olfactory certainly is your your closest link to your brain. Um, it would sort of make sense that olfaction is probably going to, at some level, guide us for what our nutritional deficiencies are. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there is the observation that you know, uh, a, a test for mineral deficiencies, and you can do this by having uh, mineral solutions of the various uh, minerals, and you taste them. If it tastes metallic, you've got plenty of that mineral on board. If it tastes sweet, then you're mineral deficient. Which is probably why most of us find sea salt compellingly uh, yummy, because mm. most of us have have significant mineral deficiencies, mm. um, and our, it, it's our brain telling us you need more of some of the minerals that are in the sea salt. And so most of us are mineral deficient, and then there's the the you said the the phytic acid ends up is leaching minerals the correct term is that how that that works? Well, it's it's blocking mineral absorption. Right, that's what it is. It's blocking mineral absorption, so it's making the mineral deficiency worse. Uh, then we, uh, we told uh, the public we're, uh, to avoid sodium, so we avoid salt in general. Yeah. Uh, so uh, our, our minerals in the soil are depleted, so our foods are less and less mineral replete. So we're, we're eating less, uh, less mineral content in our food. We're having too much phytate, which is blocking mineral absorption. And... Too many of us are, are now thinking salt, including sea salt, uh, is bad for us. Yeah. So mineral intake uh, is down, and, and that has some big consequences. Yeah. Okay. So that's it's kind of like germ theory versus terrain theory in the sense of it's like looking at yes. the, the fertility yeah. of the soil that you're receiving the nutrients. And so if you're yes. eating yeah. something that's blocking you and it's locking the chest up, you know, from you being able to actually receive the, receive yeah. the, the, you know, that's like gets into the microbiome and such. And just, you know, what is the, what is the soil like that you're planting the seed in, I think is something to think about. And it's a bigger conversation, I guess, you know? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any, you got, you got anything? We, we got to, we got to wrap up like right now, but is there any, I don't know, any last well, final words uh, in relation to that or anything? Come to my, yeah. Come to our website, terrywalls.com. Uh, T-E-R-R-Y W-A-H-L-S.com. Sign up for my newsletter. Uh, follow me on Facebook. Uh, I have some studies, uh, clinical trials that we are recruiting for. 
Uh, so if you have MS, uh, we'd certainly love to hear from you so we could get you enrolled in our clinical trials. Cool. Radical. And um, yeah, and then I hopefully will see you out in, so you're only doing those in, in, uh, in Iowa. Is that, is that correct? Or Missouri? Iowa? Uh, Iowa. Uh, well, the seminar uh, is in Iowa and yeah. we'll do that in August. Uh, and I'm hoping you'll come be uh, join us uh, in 2018. I no, I absolutely would love to. I, it's just so hard to get yeah. me to go to the East Coast. <laughs> but I will. Well, do you only have you, to go Derek. halfway. Uh, only halfway. Bad. I'm in Iowa. <laughs> I'm in Iowa, so it's not quite so far. Yeah, I will absolutely do it for you. Yeah, and I would actually, I, I think it'd be really interesting to, um, I'd love to learn more and get, like, certified or whatever. I'd love to, to add that yeah. type of component yeah. to working with people. So Yeah, I, I think it'd be great. It'd be great to uh, do that, and uh, we'll talk further about how to make that happen. Yeah, cool. All right, Radical. Well, thank you so much. It's always so fun to, to get to, to get to talk with you, and uh, I will see you super soon. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you soon. include links to the book and all that stuff on the in the show notes. Align Podcast. Thank you once again for uh, for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast and for bringing such a radical product to the world. Uh, I utilize the cordyceps and lion's mane before any workout movement session that I do. Uh, chaga mushrooms every morning as I'm traveling. I always bring along some type of mushroom bl- blend for immune support and just overall vitality. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Tim Ferriss has been loving that. Sean Stevenson, I believe, from the Model Health Show as well, has been getting down on those. Um, so they are spreading like wildfire and I highly recommend you checking them out. Um, jump on to foursigmatic.com slash align for 10% off of your purchase. I can't re- recommend it more. Uh, foursigmatic.com slash align F O U R S I G M A T I C.com slash align. And you will get 10% off of any purchase from four sigmatic. Thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump on the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, a couple things you can do. One of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, You can utilize the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, Anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on Amazon, please and thank you. Bookmark that link every time you do it we get something like seven percent of your purchase and it helps support this show it is awesome so great as well something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you knows um, has ears and likes books uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align that's a-u-d-i-b-l-e trial.com slash align and then from there that is uh, you get a free audio book from audible they have something like, I don't know, a bajillion different titles to choose from. Uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram. I, it's a huge book and uh, again, all free no matter what size the book you get. And that got me through, I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and uh, just really, really amazing website. Uh, amazing service. Couldn't recommend it more and uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing. Costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show boom um thanks so much for reviews on itunes that's greatly appreciated and thanks just in general for listening thanks for supporting thanks for for spreading the word all right i can't express enough how much i appreciate all that if you guys ever
ever have any questions or comments, you feel free to email me directly at Aaron at aligntherapy.com and I would love to talk. All right, see you guys. Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.